Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're reading from the New King James Version. And this is a very short chapter, but oh, does this have a couple of punches in the guts here, uh, because uh, in fact, it has a certain scenario that is is quite controversial. People would interpret it in different ways, but I want to help unravel this for you so that you can understand it very clearly today. First Corinthians 5, verse 1, let's read. The Apostle Paul says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. Now, remember, he's talking to the church at Corinth, not talking about a building. He's talking about the people, the believers in Jesus Christ in the city of Corinth, this ancient city that is in Greece today. Uh, Of course, uh, not populated, but excavated. My wife and I have been there. And he said, it's reported that there is actually sexual immorality among you, not among the world, among the church. Well, that would be true today in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in churches all across the world, uh, in America and other places. There are sexually immoral people that are living as Christians, and yet they're just living with the standards of the world. And Paul is now addressing this head on. He said, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. And listen to this. And such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles. He's saying there is worse sexual immorality happening in your church, the Corinthian church, than there is even outside of the church. There are more horrific things happening. Well, this is very interesting. And it goes on to say, that a man has his father's wife. Now, there's some wonder as to what exactly he's talking about. But Paul has heard of a specific man in Corinth, a believer who's part of the church. He's he's a part of one of the little house churches that make up the collective church of Corinth. And this man, it says, has his father's wife. Now, it didn't say his mother. It said his father's wife. So we would presume, I, I would, I generally believe that this is probably a stepmother. This is someone who maybe the man's mother died and maybe this man married this uh, other lady that's his stepmom and maybe she was a lot younger than his dad and so on and so forth. Nonetheless, he has his father's wife. So there's some sexual immorality going on between this man and his father's wife. So it goes on to say, and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from you. He's saying, you guys are acting like you're spiritual. You're acting like you're mature. And yet you've got this going on in the body, in your church, among you. This is happening. And instead of being puffed up and proud of your spirituality, you should be mourning like, look what's happening here in church. This is not right. This is displeasing to the Lord. This is against the word of God, against the ways of God. And so it says you're puffed up and shouldn't you rather be mourning? And notice it goes on to say this in verse three, for I indeed 
as absent in body, but present, but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present him who is so done this deed. So Paul said, even though I'm not there physically, boy, let me tell you, I, my spirit is right there with you. I have already judged this matter, and I am letting you know you're off track. You are not handling this situation the right way. So he goes on to say in verse 4, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here Paul is invoking his authority as an apostle of God that he was appointed by Jesus. And you remember he would say at the beginning of uh, most of his letters, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Well, I know in some cases, like to the Galatians, not from man nor through man, but through Jesus Christ. He made it clear that he didn't appoint himself as an apostle, but he was appointed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here he's saying, look, I'm judging this situation. You're not judging it, so I'm, I'm going to judge this situation. But he does it in the name of the Lord Jesus, the head of the church. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, he's saying, I'm going to be there in spirit. Now, don't take that too far as something silly, like he's hovering over the group. But he's, he said, when you are there, I'm there in spirit. My heart is going to be there with you. He said, when you're gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, this is nothing you take lightly. This is nothing that uh, believers should just be doing, saying, I'm just going to deliver you to Satan and such. Well, no, Paul is doing this as an apostle. He's doing this uh, under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can tell he's writing scripture here. So, I mean, he is very in tune with the Holy Spirit and under the authority of Jesus and doing this in the name of Jesus. But notice, it says, deliver such a one to Satan, to Satan, but for a particular reason, for the destruction of the flesh, the man's body, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. There's something that happens to a person when there's an attack on their physical body, when there's a sickness or an illness or something that harms their body, it gets their attention. Now, somebody said, yeah, why would Paul say something like that? Why would that happen? Well, here's why. Because God has not been able to get this man's attention. God, by the Holy Spirit, here's a believer. Here's a person in the church. This is a person that comes to church. And yet, no matter what is taught, no matter what is said, no matter how much the man worships God and senses the Holy Spirit, saying, you need to repent, you need to change, you need to break that off, you need to declare that that's wrong and inappropriate. No matter how much God tries, or maybe others, no doubt other people have said to him, that's wrong, you shouldn't be doing that, but he doesn't listen. So notice he says this, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the, of the flesh, and here's the key, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. That his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, what does that mean? That means that if this man does not change, he will go to hell. This man is destined for hell. Well, that's not incongruent with the rest of Scripture. You know, the Bible says sexually immoral people will go to hell. It says that in the gospel, says that in the book of Revelation, says that in the epistles, the letters and such. In the Paul said, 
to the Corinthians here, you should know that no adulterer, no fornicator will have any part of the kingdom of God, will inherit the kingdom. See, so this is not news. This should not be news to any of them. But this is not just a flippant statement like, oh, the guy sinned, we'll turn him over. No, no, this is a prolonged, persistent, rebellious sin. He will not listen to anybody. Nobody can get through to him. And so finally, at the last measure, Paul says, hey, look, this must be confronted. This must be addressed. And this man is going to go to hell if he doesn't get this under control. You know, Paul actually said a similar thing in uh, to Timothy. And he said this about Hymenaeus and Alexander. He said, I turn them over to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. So they're blaspheming and they're not stopping. They won't listen to anybody. They won't uh, receive correction. He said, so I turned them over to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. Now, let me just tell you, that is not the will of God. That is not what God wants to happen. God does not want you ever to be under the power or attacked by the enemy. God is your protector. God is the one who wants to bless you and give you life. But notice this is an extreme measure. If you're not receiving the blessing, if you're not accepting the correction and you're on your way to hell as a last resort, well, here God will turn you over that you may learn uh, to repent and to be right with God so you your spirit can be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus so you can go to heaven and not hell. Folks, let me tell you, this is a blessing. This is not a curse. This is a blessing. This is a blessing. In fact, right here in this same book, and uh, we normally stay in the same chapter, but since this is such a, a very oh difficult subject for many, let's just look over quickly at the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians, and we'll get to this in just a few days here. In uh, 1 Corinthians 11, this is a communion passage so powerful, but Paul's talking about how people should receive communion. And we get to the 31st and 32nd verses. And it says, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. When we are judged, if we'll judge ourselves, we don't have to have God judge us. We judged ourselves. We knew it was wrong. We repented. And then it's all taken care of. God forgives us. We confessed it. The blood of Jesus forgives us. But if we won't do it, no matter who says anything, we're not going to listen. We're just going to persist in sin. It says, when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Oh, folks, God loves you too much to just let you go to hell. He wants to give you every opportunity. Boy, I've prayed for my children. Lord, protect my children. Bless them. Don't let any harm come to them. But, oh, God, if they're on their way to hell and they won't listen, Lord, get their attention. Don't let them go to hell. See, this life is so short. The Bible says it's but a vapor. But the afterlife is forever and ever and ever. So what happens in this life is so inconsequential to what happens afterward. And so this is why this is love. This is not hate. This is blessing. This is not cursing. That God would want us not to put something in this life ahead of all of eternity. Oh, what a good God. I say, Lord, do that for me. Do it for my wife. Do it for my children. Do it for our family. Do it for our church. Lord, don't let our people go to hell. Oh, Lord, get our attention. Chasten us if you have to. But don't let us go to hell. You see how important this is? And this is what the Apostle Paul is doing. 
As a good father, he said to them, you have many teachers, but you don't have many fathers. Here's a father saying, don't let that man just go to hell or infect anybody else with uh, this lifestyle as if it's okay, because that's also a vulnerability. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. So notice he said, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, I'll just give you a little hint. When we get into 2 Corinthians, a follow-up letter, Paul says, hey, restore that guy. He's repented. Restore him. Don't keep treating him like an outsider. Restore him. You see that father. So this man repented. So it worked. This man repented, okay? And so verse 6, your glorying is not good. He's saying you're glorying like you don't have any wrong happening in your church. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? This is what he's talking about. Don't let this go because other people will start to uh, commit that sin and think it's okay. And so, or similar sins. Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. See, leaven often represents sin, not in every case in the Bible, but so often. And notice verse 9, I wrote to you in my epistle or letter not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company. Notice this is 1 Corinthians. He said, I have written to you. So 1 Corinthians is not the first letter he wrote to the Corinthians. It's just the first one that was inspired and captured in Scripture. Just something good to note. So notice he said, I wrote to you not to keep company with the immoral people, but I wasn't talking about people of the world since you'd have to go out of the world. Verse 11, but now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother. And this is important. Named a brother, in other words, a brother in the Lord, who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person, not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. So, Paul here is bringing some clarification. So in a previous letter, he had written to them and said, don't eat with immoral people. And so they began to interpret what he was saying. And they thought he was saying, don't ever eat with somebody that's an unbeliever. Uh, and just always only eat with Christians, never have a meal with anybody. Well, he's saying, well, if you can't meet with anybody immoral, you're going to have to go out of the world. Because... Outside of the church, people are immoral. They don't have the ways of God. They don't have the word of God. And so he said, I wasn't talking about the people out in the world. He said, I was talking about the people in church, the believers. Somebody said, well, why wouldn't he want them to eat with believers? No, wait a minute. You have to understand the context of this passage. He said, look, if there are people who are in sin, like this man he was just talking about, and you try to get this person to understand and to repent, and they won't repent. He said, if you just keep treating them like everything's okay, like it's just it's just a difference of opinion. Hey, 
you think it's okay. We think it's immoral because the Bible says it all over the place that it's immoral. But, you know, hey, let's just agree to disagree and we'll just move on. Paul said, oh, no, you cannot just treat brothers or sisters in the Lord that are doing this level of sin. This is this is not somebody that, well, you ate too much for lunch. And boy, that's a sin. That was indulgence. That was a lack of self-control. We can't eat with you anymore because you should not have had those last four bites. No, that's not what we're talking about. And somebody said, well, somebody would say sin is sin. Well, that is true. Sin is sin. But let me tell you, there are different levels of sin that without question, they all need to be repented for before the Lord. But there is a difference between adultery and fornication and homosexuality and all of those sexual perverse sins and somebody that uh, had dessert too many times this week. So to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So see, there are some different levels of sin, but there there is a morality sin that he's dealing with here. Overeating is not a moral sin. And so there is a difference. And so Paul says this, he says, Listen, when you've got somebody in this kind of gross morality and you they're on their way to hell, I mean, it, it's blatant, it's clear, it's persistent. You've tried to talk and they're not repentant. We're not talking about somebody who's asked for forgiveness and they're trying to get free from the bondage. Well, no, you continue to work with them. We're talking about somebody that will not change. They will not take the necessary steps to stay away, to repent to turn off their computer, to not be on their computer when nobody's watching, et cetera, et cetera. They will not take the steps to cut the hand off, as Jesus said, or pluck the eye out, not literally, but figuratively. They will not do it. Paul said, listen, if they keep going that way and you just keep fellowshipping with them and eating with them, you're giving them the impression that it's not that big of a deal. And Paul said, that is the wrong message. That is the wrong message. They need to know that, hey, we cannot continue like this for your sake and for our sake. We, we do not have the same beliefs because we believe God's word and we believe there's a judge at the end of the age and you're acting like there is not. And so we love you too much and we love the body too much to allow this just to be mixed in. And so Paul says, I'm talking about somebody named a brother that you do not do it. You do not eat with them. And then that sends a message to them and lets them know that, hey, you need to repent. And often people will do it if you'll take it to that measure in love, not attack them, but in love. Then they'll repent and God brings the body back into alignment. So that's 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I look forward to tomorrow, chapter 6. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. 
Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.